Hello, Heroic Educators! We are now less than one month away from the Justice League film hitting theaters, and it's time to assemble your league. Let me ask you something. Are you all in? Because this is Hero Ed. Welcome to the Hero Ed Podcast, saving the world one classroom at a time. I'm your host, Adam Clark, and you are listening to episode one. As I'm recording this episode, uh, I'm wrapping up fall break uh, in our district, and I'm feeling refreshed and ready to jump back into the classroom next week. However, for some of you, you've been hard at work all this week with your students nonstop for a little over two months now. You haven't had much of a break. Uh, and I hope all of you are having a great year so far, and you're just rocking it out in your classrooms and really making an impact in the lives of your students. But for some of you, whether this is your first year in the classroom or whether you've been teaching for 30 years, for some of you, it's just been one of those years, right? You feel like the students are disconnected, you're not getting through, and you're just not having much of an impact. Before we get to our feature interview of this episode, Let me just tell you this. You cannot save the world alone. Now, unless you've been living under a rock or off the grid, and obviously if you're listening to this podcast, you're not off the grid. You have seen the marketing campaign for the upcoming Justice League film. It's been on Monday Night Football. It's been in between TV commercials and things such as that. Uh, You may have even seen a movie poster in your local movie theater. Uh, But the tagline, as I said, you cannot save the world alone. Now, the very basic premise of the film appears to be that all of our heroes have been out doing their own thing, and now a threat that is too large for one hero is facing humanity, and all of our heroes must unite in order to save the world. Now, if you've seen any of the trailers for this film, especially the earlier ones, and I'll make sure I'll link some of those trailers in show notes, you sort of catch on that maybe not everyone is eager to join up the team that Batman slash Bruce Wayne is trying to put together. Now, Wonder Woman is already there, helping Batman unite these heroes. Flash is super eager to get involved. Uh, It appears that he's early in his career as a superhero, hasn't had his powers for very long, and he's very eager to join with Batman and the rest of the league. Aquaman, however, is not too willing to join up. He appears to be pretty comfortable in what he's been doing for all these years, and it is not until, as it becomes revealed in later trailers, that when the main antagonist is a threat to him and his way of life and his people, then he begins to join up. Now, as for Cyborg, little is known about his feelings on the League. However, from what I've read personally, uh, I think he takes some convincing to join the League as well. Does this feel familiar, teachers? It is our great challenge to prepare students for the larger world and to help them, to the best of our abilities, be successful. Uh, But that seems to be, in this day and age, becoming increasingly difficult. This challenge is not going to go away, folks. As long as we remain in the profession of teaching, that challenge will not go away. 
Those of you that are out there in the classrooms day in and day out, laying your heart and your soul out there on a day-to-day basis for these kids, trying to make an impact, do you not often feel alone? I know I do at times. Do you not feel alone in the teaching world, in your district, maybe in your building, or maybe even on your own hallway? You feel alone in your efforts. Let me tell you this. You cannot save the world alone. You must seek out those other people with those exceptional abilities like your own and work together to meet the challenges that we are facing as educators. This practice is called collective efficacy. This is something that has been discussed a lot in the district where I work lately. Um, let me share with you some brief definitions of what collective efficacy is for those of you that may not be familiar with this term. Collective efficacy is a shared belief that through collective action, teachers can positively impact student outcomes, including those who are disengaged and or disadvantaged. Is this not what heroes do? They stand up for our students who come from uh, less fortunate circumstances come into our classrooms and are we not challenged with helping them as we are with the privileged students? Collective efficacy is also a collective perception that teachers in a given school make an educational difference to their students over and above the impact of their homes and their communities. This is why it's so important to things you'll hear me talk about later on in this podcast of cultivating those positive student relationships and creating cultures of trust inside our classrooms. If our students only feel safe when they come inside our schools, if that's oftentimes the only times they're feeling safe, maybe it's the only time they're ever getting a hot meal or getting to eat a meal, period. Uh, They don't feel safe in their homes, in the communities where they live. If they only feel safe here, how does that impact them if all their experiences in our classrooms are negative and they hear negativity uh, from the teacher? Collective efficacy is lastly a belief that together teachers can positively impact student learning. We are better together. That's a saying that you hear. We are better together. How can we expect student achievement and learning to increase When students have a different set of standards from classroom to classroom that they move, they come into one classroom where a teacher sets really high, rigorous standards, Uh, not just just rigorous content, but rigorous standards for maybe behavior, expectations, and the quality of work, and just daily routines and practices, and they are coming into that class from a class where those are a little more lax, and they are not held to that high of a standard. How then can we expect achievement to increase when they don't see a all-around level of high expectations from everyone they encounter? Uh, they lose the importance of it. They're experience-driven. John Hattie is the leading researcher on collective efficacy, and he actually did a study uh, using effect size. Now, I'm not a math person. I'm a social studies person. So math is a little bit lost on me. So those of you that are listening that are math teachers, this is really going to make sense to you. But hopefully I'm going to try to explain it to the best of my ability. Uh, But he used effect size of various practices in education. The average effect size from what I have read is 0.4. A 0.4 effect size is a pretty decent effect size. You're having a pretty good impact in whatever it is you're doing. Um, He did a study in 2015 that revealed that collective teacher efficacy practices 
yielded a 1.57 effect size on student growth. That is incredible. It was actually the number two uh, practice on the list next to uh, pretty much professional development for teachers. Uh, teacher learning uh, had the highest effect size. But the number two effect size in his study, a 1.5, when a, just a simple 0.4 is enough. 1.5 is what collective teacher efficacy yields on student impact. So you see why it's important to work together and work as one for the same common goal to face this great challenge that we have uh, with these students on a day-to-day basis. So how can we do this? How is this possible when you've got so many different personalities, different skill sets, different um, experience levels in teaching in the same buildings and on faculties? How can we come together and work as one uh, to meet this challenge that we have? I recently had the pleasure of sitting down with fellow blogger and podcaster Chuck Poole from teachonomy.com. And over the summer, Chuck wrote a series of superhero education blogs that caught my eye. A colleague of mine tweeted uh, one of his articles, and I looked into it and really was just amazed at uh, the insight that he had in uh, related to collective teacher efficacy, because at that time I'd read it, it was something that was being mentioned uh, around our building and in our district and whatnot. So I was really interested in reading it, plus it was about the Justice League. So obviously, if the educational factors didn't catch my eye, the superhero nerd factor did. So I'm going to link his superhero blog series in our show notes so that you can read uh, all the entries. They're quite fascinating. Uh, Even if you do not understand the superhero connections, uh, if you're an educator, I think you'll find a lot of use out of them. Um, His final installment, as I said, though, in the series was about building your own Justice League on your faculty. And he shared some great insight on how each member of the league reflects the teachers on our faculties and the different skill sets and the things that they provide and how they all come together to work for the common good. So uh, listen in as Chuck and I discuss teaching as one. I am honored to be joined by Chuck Poole from Teach Onomy. And I'm really excited to have him here with us to discuss his article, The Justice League, Teach as One. Chuck, thanks for sitting down with us. Yeah, no problem. Glad to be here. All right. So uh, we're recording this just days, it seems like, after we actually got a Justice League movie trailer. Chuck, did you get to see that? Yeah, I did. And that it was actually something that I've been looking at. I'm a big superhero fan. I love those movies. I love everything about it. Um, I, I really find that there can be a lot of connections that you could find for teachers in a lot of these, you know, a lot of lessons that we could use. And so when I saw it, I just, my brain started turning um, and I just thought about ways that I can kind of connect that to encourage teachers. Right on. I mean, that's sort of what this podcast was created out of. Uh, years ago, I started bringing in superheroes and elements of that into my social studies classroom, and it's just kind of spun off from there. And uh, I agree with you. There's so many things that if you look at these films you, and just the stories and the characters themselves, you can find ways to um, just incorporate that into your teaching, uh, not only as an educator, but I think even in your personal life, you can find a ways, you know, use those inspiring things. Uh, I have quotes hanging all over my room from uh, these movies and stuff. And my kids are always asking, where's that come from? And, you know, I'll find a way to tie it in. So um, when you can put that uh, and just make a connection that's maybe on their level, I think you can have a very deep impact. Yeah, I agree. I think that it really can, 
can hit home for a lot of people. Yes, because I think every one of us, whether we are into this uh, superhero culture, you know, like you and I are, uh, we all can relate to it in some way, which is why whether these people understand who Batman or Superman or the Justice League is, they're going to go watch these movies just because they know who they are. And when they can kind of see these ideals that are portrayed by each of these sort of as you lay out in your article, how each character sort of has a unique set of uh, skills and things they can bring to the table. I think we kind of see ourselves more in them. I agree. All right. Looking at your article, you outline Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, and the flash. Yeah. Uh, Just so we can get the burning question that every geek superhero that's asking, who's your favorite? (laughs) Well, honestly, um, I, I like a bunch of them, but my favorite has to be Green Lantern. I think the reason why is because growing up, I was a big Green Lantern fan, and I'm not actually quite sure why, where it started. I think that was actually the first superhero uh, figurine that my parents gave me. It was always the one that kind of started my interest in it. You know, I mean, as of late, I love the Wonder Woman movie. I think that they did a great job with it, and the and I thought it was fantastic. And of course, all of the, the other, the Superman and Batman and all of these movies have been fantastic. And it's kind of brought it to the forefront for a lot of people. I just remember as being a, you know, six-year-old kid and opening at Christmas, I had the Green Lantern. So it was the first superhero that I was given. So I think that's kind of why it's a little, why the Green Lantern's a little bit dear to my heart. I understand. And that's, you know, he's one of the ones that not many people go to automatically. Uh, you know, they go to the big three, Batman, Superman, or Wonder Woman. Uh, yeah. For me, it tends to be Batman. Just, I came in, you know, in the reruns of the 1966 Adam West series and just ran around my house with a towel and a mask and, you know, he did the whole nine yards with it. So that sort of was my end. And he's sort of the character I follow throughout these, even though I love, you know, every member of the league and what they offer and what we can learn uh, about them. You know, the Man of Steel movie actually brought me back to Superman and just, I mean, that movie to me is just full of things and ideas that you could relate to your students and to your faculty bring them to a sense of inspiration. Uh, I love the quote that comes from it where, you know, what if a child dreamed of being something more than what society had intended? Yeah. You know, I, just, I just see that. And I'm like, you know, we try to put our students in certain boxes and do things a certain way. But what if they can go beyond that? You know, it's just so incredible to think about. I agree. All right. Let's kind of take a look at Superman. You say every team needs a Superman for a faculty. Who would your Superman be? Um, well, I think that the super, a lot of times people think that Superman has to be the person in charge, so to speak. But I really kind of view Superman as that person who on the faculty essentially has the ability to kind of bring out the best in others and make other people believe in the abilities that they have and put them on the path that's going to not only affect students in a positive way, but also make them better. I kind of, in my notes, when I was going through the article and reading it again, I kind of wrote down, you know, the encourager. Yeah, exactly. I think that Superman is that person who on one side definitely, uh, in my opinion, is that encourager, the person that is in some ways almost like the cheerleader for other people. But at the same time, I think is someone who is extremely 
if we were talking about in the teaching world, an extremely good teacher, you know, somebody that's passionate, somebody that in their own way has their, their own superpower in that classroom. So they're also very respected, you know? So when somebody that is extremely respected, really good at what they do is also encouraging other people to do well, I think it becomes infectious. Exactly. And it's the uh, ability to want to take what you do, not as that I'm, like you said, the expert on everything, but I have success, I have this ability, and I want to share it with you that you may be uh, just as good, if not greater, at things. You know, sometimes, you know, going back to that Man of Steel film, you know, another quote is, you know, you will give them an ideal to strive toward, they'll rise behind you and they'll fall, but in time they will join you. Bring in that, you know, that example and just say, you know, you can do this. I feel like veteran teachers, especially with all the new technologies and educational things that are coming uh, out nowadays, they, they're intimidated and they don't feel like they can. And one of the things that's big in our building is we push that growth mindset that, you know, all of our building, our principal has uh, posted these placards in giant capital letters that just say, yet, like, you can't do it yet. And so I see him sort of as our Superman. Uh, and yet, even though he's the head administrator, uh, he is very good at saying, okay, we're not there yet. We're going to get there. You know, this is not one of those situations where we're, it's not what we're good at. So we're never going to be able to do it. We're going to get there together. You know, that collective efficacy that uh, when we're better together, that you said, you know, at the beginning of the article, the Justice League can do great things individually, but how much can they do when you come together as one? Exactly. I think that, and I think you kind of hit it on the head. It's, it's that almost that yet mentality is, is so important because you're right when you have, I think that there are many teachers that will have taught for many years or um, they, even if they haven't taught for many years, it's kind of almost a defense mechanism because when we have change or when we have something like that and people want to work together, it's almost as if they feel and I've been in this position where, you know, I felt like you're questioning my ability to teach. Why do I need to change how I'm teaching? It works fine. And I think um, the answer to that is nobody's questioning your ability, but what we're doing is we're, we're finding ways that can further uh, the impact we have on students and doing things differently sometimes will work a lot better than doing things the way we always have. You know, I think that one of the most important things when it comes to uh, teachers and like I found with my colleagues moving forward in any kind of change is belief you know I mean ultimately it comes down for for me to uh, belief in what they do and the fact that it matters and belief that what they're doing is making a difference and I really just a belief in that they're good at what they do because I think in order to strive at anything that we attempt we need to know that we're on the right track along the way so when we have somebody that's there behind us telling us like a Superman, encouraging us, telling us you are good at what you do, that what you're doing is making a difference. And by working together, we can really have that belief because it, when teachers believe that they have the power, for instance, to make decisions uh, that are best for their kids, I think they'd be more willing to take risks. So when you approach that and you encourage them and you say, you know, work together, come up with ways that you can impact students. I think that attitude tends to begin to change when the fear is taken away or the defense mechanism is taken away and they're open to that belief that what you're talking about 
really does make a difference. I almost feel it's a culture change that has to take place in uh, schools and in education in general that when something is no longer working, uh, mm -hmm. we're no longer reaching students, then you have to sort of, as kind of the tagline in this podcast, is to reboot your universe. You have to restart and try new things and creating a culture that uh, fosters, you know, taking risks and failing. Mm -hmm. you, know, you could realize that, okay, that thing I tried, it didn't work. And we can go back to the drawing board and try again, but at least you took a risk that Superman can bring that ability to encourage you to keep moving forward and to continue to not just because you failed one time to never take a risk again. And to know that it's not, a lot of times I feel like people feel if they fail at something and they're observed failing, they almost feel like that's a negative reflection. Like you said, a defense mechanism on their ability to do their job. Yeah. They saw me fail. I'm not good anymore. He's going to, you know, it's an evaluation kind of thing. And that's just totally not the case. You know, I feel like that's what Superman can do. The league, you know, he's not around. It appears to be in the trailers, you know, but we, I think we all know he's coming back. You know, I can't wait to see how he comes in and brings new life to that team, you know, just like that they can do on a faculty. I agree. I think I, I'm excited to see how they do that too, because they're very vague on whether or not how he's coming back or where he's going to be. And But I think it's crucial that he's this character that kind of comes back, like you said, and breathes life. That's a good way of putting it. Kind of breathes life into the team almost to re regenerate or uh, empower them in some way. Because I think what, what you're saying too is a lot of the times um, what we'll face when we have some of these issues where we were resistant to change, I think some of it comes through fear and a lot of it comes through ego, right? you know? Uh, and I think that when we eliminate fear and essentially eradicate our egos, we can reflect on where our strengths lie and work together as one to achieve a higher goal. You know, in order to do that, we definitely have to get rid of that fear and ego so we can move forward. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, I've said in multiple meetings with colleagues, you know, that teachers are ego driven. You feel like you've hit your stride and you're on a roll doing what you do. Then somebody comes in and not necessarily in evaluative mode, but just observes what you're doing and they give you some feedback. You know, how dare you? And I've been guilty of that. I thought I did that pretty well. Take a step back and realize, you know, that was trying to help me. That wasn't tearing me down. That was there to help. Teachers are really bad about kind of getting in those modes where they almost feel defeated, where they feel like they're not making a difference. And then that Superman person, whether it is an administrator or a teacher leader or an instructional coach or someone can come along and breathe that life back into them. Uh, it just sort of brightens the whole thing. And, you know, to connect it back to the Justice League film, you kind of, they hint that every time, you know, Superman's appearing, they, everybody turns around and almost has a smile, like they're rejuvenated, like, oh, he's here. He's going to be okay. So moving on now to my favorite, the Dark Knight himself, who <laughs> tell us to be is the natural born strategist. So explain to us what that means. So basically, I think in the realm of teaching, and if you're somebody who's more of a Batman, I, I, I kind of feel Batman is he's the strategist, right? So he's the person who has the the large plan in mind, not that the other people don't, but he's the one that's completely, in my opinion, committed to it. You know, he has the ability, almost like in like a general, to lay out a strategy. And what he does, though, in, he understands that in order for whatever his strategy may be, in order for it to be successful, he wants he has to take into account the strengths of everyone else around him in order to succeed. You know, because Batman himself, when battling some of these crazy 
villains, I guess you could say, he himself does not have these superpowers, right? He's, he's kind of just by sheer will and, of course, all of his gadgets and, and you know, his armor and all of his, his vehicles and everything else and, and his strength and his training that has gone into it. He right. has that on his side, but I think he understands that as the general, so to speak, he puts a plan into place that's going to use the strengths of everyone else around him in order to succeed. Because I think deep down, although he's the dark knight and he's kind of considered a loner, I think deep down he understands that although he may be this loner character, that in order for him to, to do the greater good, he's going to need to bring in the strengths of all of those around him to succeed. It's almost like they see the structure and everything. Like they know the plan, they know the task that's before them and they can visualize it based on their experience and things like that to kind of lay the structure out and say, here is the game plan. Here's how we're going to attack it. Here's the structure in which we're going to accomplish this goal. A lot of times, in a faculty meeting, you know, a new plan is laid out or an idea is brought to the table. Not everybody is always, you know, against it. You know, those that are for it, like, that sounds really good. How? And he's the one who comes in and says, this is how we're going to put things together. And I know I mentioned, you know, administrators in our building kind of being like the Superman, but I almost can see some of them being that role of the Batman too, because they like the structure. That's just how they operate. Some people are very abstract idea oriented people and they can just kind of go with it on the fly. And some people have to have that structure and laid out. And I feel like uh, that can come from people like that, that have, you know, that general mentality that can kind of lead the way. I agree. I like how you, you kind of hit on that. Some people, we all think differently, right? And, and when you have a plan, and I face this as well in some of our faculty meetings or when we have new things put into place, where there's a plan, but you have to have that person who's going to tell you how it's going to be carried out. Because no matter how nicely the plan looks on paper, if you don't have that person there ready to kind of put boots on the ground and get it going and kind of give you the how, nobody's going to really buy into it. And exactly. it, takes, it takes a special person to be a Batman in the, in the realm of teaching. The truth of the matter is they're essential. They're that natural born leader. And yeah. they have to be able to take that criticism and know that this is the plan. And you know, people may criticize and may have other ideas, but they know that this is the path that's going to take us. Not that they necessarily have to ignore all the other advice, you know, they may face some negativity and that, you know, this is not going to work. This is a bad idea. Uh, but if they push through that and just ignore the eye rolling that may take place or the grumbling, you know, that's the mark of a true leader that can push through. And I think when you do that, you say you get better buy-in uh, yeah. because they see that it's not just a fad that was laid on the table here. Here's this idea. Let's try this. And then it doesn't get carried out. And that later on down the line could create some resentment toward things that you really do want to implement and push forward. I think educators are sometimes really bad about, you know, going for the flavor of the week or flavor of the month and not really trying to input it, find the next thing that comes along. And you don't really take time to develop ideas and implement them and see what kind of impact they can have. Exactly. Yeah. And when you have this person in place, those types of things kind of get narrowed down and you can almost have a group of people have a laser focus in order to con conduct a plan. So I know that in my building, we have a couple of people that would be considered Batman, right? The people that are the planners. And it's because of those people that we've actually got stuff done.
and they have to be, you know, they're not always the most liked. I mean, Batman amongst the team is probably not the most liked, you know, character. And whether it's in, you know, the films or the comics, you know, you read sometimes that whoever works them is like, ah, that is somebody that just rubs you the wrong way. Yeah. But in the end, it always works out. Exactly. There's always a reason. He knew in the back of his mind due to his skill and his, you know, wisdom about things. It's something that we didn't even see. So yeah. uh, you got to have that person, I believe, to kind of be a driving force uh, amongst your people. Yeah. Moving right along through the league, one of my favorites now is The Flash, yeah. uh, who is the, the pace setter. Um, what do you mean when you mean a pace setter in the, you know, on a faculty group? So I kind of look at The Flash as – and the reason why I use this particular person uh, as the pace setter is because in, in a group – especially what I found in my years of teaching is that I, I'll be working with a group of people and teachers tend to, tend to be very creative people. And when you have a bunch of creative people in, in a room all at the same time, um, you can tend to go around in circles with ideas. And, and what ends up happening is you have one idea and then it's great and you keep moving and you keep moving. And eventually though, if you don't have someone setting a pace and setting, setting that, that goal, like, okay, we're here. Now let's move to the next part and let's move to the next part. And they kind of pace people. Nothing ever gets done. Right. I mean, this is, this is the person I think if you're the flash, if you have that personality, you basically provide clarity in the moment, you know? So when, when tons of ideas are, are tending to go, this is the person that can set the pace and give clarity to kind of steer people into a similar direction. So they can take all of the ideas that are going there. And I kind of look at this as the flash. Like if you were to picture the flash kind of zooming around the room, collecting all of the ideas and bringing them back to put people on pace and kind of guide them on a straight path. So that's, that's how I, I kind of pictured that because uh, you can move so quickly, but, and we move so quickly as teachers, but someone who's the flash has the ability to kind of look at the moment, slow things down and then bring people to a similar focus. Right. You th I think of those, you know, scenes of the flash moving, you know, faster than the speed of light, but we see it slow down and he can see every little thing that's going on and, you know, move this object here, move this object there to help people get to safety and things like that. And exactly. a lot of times, you know, that person is a, a hero story with the flashes involved you know, he may be the minor character where the main story is about a Superman or a Batman or somebody like that, but he's actually the one that comes in and saves the day and keeps things going. When you strip everything away and realize, well, this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the flash. Exactly. And I think that's the same thing, you know, in our world where, you know, there's a lot going on and it's, you know, something gets accomplished and it was great. You're like, well, I didn't ever think that was going to get accomplished. Well, your flash, whoever that may be is the one who kind of, set the tone and got everybody on the right page and put everybody in the positions they needed to be in to accomplish that goal. Yeah. The fastest person sort of sits in the background, so to speak, I guess. Yeah. And it's like, I think if you're the flash, it tends to be that person who more concerned with getting things done and impacting than getting the credit. Exactly. The unsung hero. Exactly. Okay. Your favorite now, the green lantern. Who yeah my notes indicate that he would be the innovator. Let's talk about him. Yeah. So I, I kind of look at the green lantern as this, like you said, the innovator, the person that is probably your, your super creative person, somebody who for lack of a better term, almost thinks outside the box uh, in some, in, in, in some ways. And basically what the green lantern does in my opinion is the person, they kind of bring 
that creativity that's needed, but they bring an ability to help others be creative as well, just through either inspiration or, or they kind of tell, teach them how to produce it. You know, like how the green lantern has his, his green ring, right. And he can essentially create anything that he, he imagines. Right. Right. And I think that the green lantern on our teams and teaching there that have only the limitation of their own imagination. Right. So it's, those people who can really just make a lesson pop or they're the people that you have where you can bring an idea and you know, if you give that idea to a certain person that what they're going to come up with is going to be just utterly amazing. And I kind of feel that the green lantern is that person you want, you have to have on every team that, that innovator or that creative spark to kind of drive everyone else to do the same. I agree. And those, that's something that in our building is really being pushed. We're trying to create that culture of innovation and, you know, turning things around, doing things a little bit differently. Now, not necessarily creating something new because oftentimes Green Lantern doesn't create a brand new object. He uses something that is already around and uses it for a better purpose. Uh, oftentimes his constructs with his ring are not some new, Oh, I've never seen that object before. It's mm-hmm. something that's every day, but using it in a different way to, uh, you know, save somebody or to keep something you know bad from happening. Taking those lessons that have been taught through the ages, then let's put a new spin and come up with a new idea or that person that use, as you said, in the faculty that somebody can go to, and it's like, help me flesh out this new idea. What do you have? Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I I often think that uh, you kind of look at it, you know, I know the term thinking outside of the box, but I think that the most creative things that we have are usually created inside the box. Like, I think that, you know, like when we have those confines on us, when you have things that, you know, what that, that you have to, you do, or you have only a certain amount of material or a certain amount of things that you can use, that Green Lantern person has the ability to take what you have, kind of like what you said, and create a masterpiece out of it. You know, it's like you can take these raw materials and just create something that is remarkable. Yeah, it's almost the maker mindset. Exactly. You know, taking these things and make something special. Yeah. And it could yeah. be as simple as, you know, taking a very simple lesson that normally our students may not absolutely love or wait in line to get to, but take that concept and turn it into something that they never forget. You know, with Green Lantern being the innovator, in your words, how would you define innovation? Well, I think, I think innovation, I mean, there's many ways to define, define innovation. And I just think that, you know, we can be innovative in many different ways. You know, I think sometimes people view innovation as something that is done that has never been done before. But I think that innovation, that obviously can be a part of it. You can innovate and go that route. But I also think that innovation, very similar to the Green Lantern, is is taking something that we we currently have and making it better. You know, I think that I I had done a blog post called um, Technology as a Teacher Silverware, right? And I think it's one of these things that, you know, we can use technology, for instance, and we can be very innovative with it if we look at it as a tool you know, we don't have to create a new piece of technology in order to be innovative, but rather we can use what we have there and use it in such a way that it enhances the learning as we teach, you know, and I think that an innovator is a person 
who understands that they can enhance what they do to make the learning for students much better. Right. And it doesn't always have to involve technology. I feel like exactly when innovation is mentioned, it's got to be something digital technology, computer, iPad, Chromebook, MacBook, those sort of things. But technology doesn't have to be necessarily electronic. I mean, it's taking those things and maybe turning them into some sort of a game or gamifying a lesson, you know, things like that that can be done without anything digital, but it just enhances that learning process. And because sometimes the technology I feel like is what scares people away at times. Uh, But to understand the innovation does not necessarily have to involve that to be successful. Exactly. I agree. I think, I think you're right. I think sometimes people, especially if, if we've been around for a while and when we started teaching, there was no tech. I mean, I know when I started teaching, there was no, no technology available. And, and I think that you're right. I think innovation for whatever reason tends to get coupled with technology. And I think innovation could be just about anything. I mean, I, one thing that I personally do in my classes every Friday we have, and I talk about this in different areas, but we have class meetings where my students literally will evaluate me. And then we talk about what we're going to be doing next week and we brainstorm how they want to learn it. So they essentially get the, the power they're empowered to control or or have input into their learning. It involves no technology at all, but it's, it, it's some people have said, well, that's really innovative because normally it's the teachers just kind of driving it. And I've heard in a lot of Twitter chats and things like that, the big push for student voice and, and things like that. And I think when you give students a voice, you're being very innovative, you know, it doesn't need oh, technology absolutely. to do it. Yes. And that's um, one of those risks that, you know, you don't know what you're going to get when you let a student have a voice and a choice on things. But that's, as you said, it's an innovative thing that, if they have some control to say, Mr. Poole wants me to, you know, express my learning on this particular topic and he doesn't want me just to take a test. Yeah. What can, what can I do to show them that I know this? And if they have a choice now, their choice may involve technology and more times than not, it it might uh, dealing, you know, with this generation and everything, but the releasing control of learning to the students allow them, uh, to express what they know in a different manner, uh, I think can be far more impactful than a, just a sit and get, take the test, moving on. I agree. And uh, we'll end the Justice League portion with the one we've just recently seen on screen, and that is Wonder Woman, yeah. who is the warrior. And I, when I saw Wonder Woman, I just got that vibe from her at the end of the film where Ares was simply telling her that everybody – you know, they don't deserve good. They don't deserve people are so inherently evil. And she was like, no, you're wrong. People are good. You know, this is going to good is what's going to win out. She just almost, she's the female equivalent of Superman, I guess, in that regard in some ways. Mm -hmm. Um, But you have her, you know, as the warrior who gives everybody that sense of purpose um, and kind of why we do what we do. Talk about that just a little bit. Yeah. uh, Wonder Woman. I I really do like Wonder Woman. I did a whole separate post just on Wonder Woman, uh, you know, and how she's, she's very empowering, especially to, to the girls we teach and, and things like that. So that kind of spin, but I looked at Wonder Woman in this case as the person as a teacher would be that warrior, right? The person who gives us the constant sense of purpose. You know, I kind of viewed the latest movie. If you had, you know, when you see it, I kind of, what drives Wonder Woman is her purpose, right? She essentially leaves the land that she grew up in just to, to follow the purpose she, she felt was so desperately needed. 
And I kind of look at Wonder Woman as the person on our teaching team who is that person who's so driven by their why, they're driven by their purpose that it's just exudes from them. You know, I think with Wonder Woman, you know, her sense of just doing right, her sense of finding the truth and her sense of saving the world in some sense um, is so part of who she is that it cannot, it, it just can't be hidden. And I think that on our teams, we have somebody like that, that's that warrior that regardless of what happens, regardless of any negativity that comes by, regardless of changes that are expected, regardless of risks they may have to take, that they are driven by their why, you know, and they're a teacher that wants to make a difference. They're a teacher that wants to be unforgettable. And more, more than anything, they're a teacher that wants to change the lives and the futures of their students. And it just comes out of them automatically, you know, instinctively. And the people around them, I feel, almost gain that sense of purpose just simply by being inspired by who these people are. Uh, 100%. I can, I can look out my hallway right now and I can think of several uh, wonder women that are at work in and around us that just are so driven by what they do. And they have taken uh, the relationships with their students and just their drive. I mean, you can just walk in their classroom and there's almost like a vibe that you get when you walk in their classroom that they are driven, they care, and their students know it. And it's just, it's kind of oozing out into the hallways and uh, it's been contagious for me uh, working around these type of people has driven me to be better and want to do more and to, you know, cultivate a culture in my classroom similar to what they have. Yeah. Because you can see the effects of that. Yeah, you can. And I mean, it, and to somebody that would be, cons- that I would consider a wonder woman, whether it's a woman or a guy, you know, it's just, oh, yeah. you know, but the considered that wonder woman is definitely someone who I feel understands that relationships really are the core and that trust with your students are the foundation is the foundation of, you know, having a successful experience in the classroom and beyond. And, and that's what I think drives a lot of these people kind of like you said, I, I know in my hallway, I'll look down and I can just walk by classrooms and I'm just inspired by what I see. And even these are often people that do things, above and beyond they go beyond expectations and they're 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 loving on kids outside of their classroom you know they're doing those things that you you read about or they make movies about or you know those types of things uh that's kind of where that wonder woman person really is and i think everyone needs to have that person at least one around them just for inspiration and for motivation but also just to to follow that example yeah, I think that's very important for students to see that too. You mentioned trust. Yeah. I think in a classroom, that's often something that's overlooked. You know, sometimes we're so focused on teaching, uh, you know, and how we teach and what we do, going back to, you know, teachers being all about their egos and forgetting about cultivating that relationship with the students to where they do trust you. I mean, I don't think there's anybody on the Justice League that would question. Yeah, I don't know if Wonder Woman's really on our side. We need to keep an eye on her uh, as if they do. You know, I remember the famous uh, Justice League story arc where Batman had a file on every member of the Justice League on how to take him out in case something happened and they went rogue. I mean, so I don't think anybody ever felt that way about Wonder Woman. You know, they trusted her completely. And, you know, in our classrooms, when you see that type of teacher, like you said, man or woman, the students 
you can see it when they walk in, the, in their classroom and just the way they interact and to know that you're my teacher, you're here to make sure that I learn, but you care about me. You want to know that I'm doing okay beyond a letter grade. And I think when you can create that in a classroom culture, the learning increases will be reciprocated because they don't want to disappoint you, I guess, in a way. They want to show that, hey, I'm taking what you give me and I'm using it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and it's it's that safety, right? You, you give them that, that feeling of safety, the environment when they come in. And when, I feel when students feel safe, they tend to have that ability to be comfortable enough to learn. You know, I think when, when they enter, I, I, and I think that Wonder Woman is fierce, right? Wonder Woman is mm-hmm. not this person who is just going to lay down and let people walk all over her, you know? And I think that element comes into these people as well. You know, students come in and they feel safe, not just because they think they can do whatever they want. They feel safe because they understand whatever the guidelines are, the expectations and everything else in this classroom, but they know that the number one goal is them. You know, the number one goal is, is to have them have an amazing future. And when you have that kind of relationship, you're right. I mean, the, the whole atmosphere of the class is different. And uh, just in closing here, Chuck, um, if we as educators and our faculties and our professional learning networks and all the colleagues that we surround ourselves with, if we unite together, unite the league, what sort of impact can this have on students? That's a great question. I, I think that the impact is something that we probably can't even fathom. I, I think when we come together as teachers and we you know, believe in the impact we can have together, both in student achievement and ultimately student success, I, even spanning outside of the classroom, I think that the, the impact it will have on students is one that will essentially change the world in the long run. You know, I think that by coming together, because as teachers, we can do a lot more than what we can do alone, you know, because together we're strong. And I think that when we come together, the strengths that we have collectively make us unstoppable, you know, and by being a teacher that is unstoppable, so to speak, you make your students remarkable. And, and those students then gain the beliefs, the belief they need in themselves to do whatever they dream. 100%. And Chuck has written a superhero series on Teachonomy. Justice League is the final chapter in that superhero summer series blog, uh, ranging from the Justice League's Wonder Woman, uh, Spider-Man. I see Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy uh-huh. and uh, even a little Harry Potter with Hermione. So uh, a little bit of something for everybody there. Yeah, um, Chuck has a podcast series connected with the website that you need to go and check out too. And uh, Chuck, is there anything you want to plug that you're currently working on something that we can look forward to on the website or anything that you've got coming down the line? Uh, I have a couple things coming down the line right now. Um, but, but currently directly right now, I think uh, the podcast I have every, every week and what I've kind of implemented into it is every other week I do a simple two minute timeout for teachers. So it's uh, for some people when they want to just have that quick, two minutes. I just need a little bit of inspiration. I've implemented that into the podcast and the podcast is called Teachonomy Talks, but they could simply get onto it um, 
on the website at teachonomy.com slash podcast. And, and then basically the, the blog is, is consistent so that and the goal behind it is to just encourage and inspire teachers. So I think those are the two main things right now that are currently going on there. And uh, there's some things coming down the pike, which I'm excited about just in the, in the works right now. Okay, so lots to expect from Chuck Poole in the future. Uh, we'll link to the superhero blog series on show notes. We'll also give you his Twitter handle. You can follow him on Twitter, see what's going on in his world. Subscribe to the podcast. We'll have that link as well. And Chuck, I appreciate you taking the time to sit with us on this very first episode. You get to be in on the inaugural number one episode of the Hero Ed podcast. So I thank you for your time and joining us today. Yeah, I'm honored. I'm thanking, uh, thank you for having me. It was great. And there it is, Chuck Poole. Uh, Chuck is an awesome guy. I'll put his information in show notes, his blog, his podcast, website, Twitter, all that good stuff. Uh, he's such a great guy, uh, kind enough to sit down and talk with me last week. And I hope to have him on again soon. Uh, perhaps once the Justice League film comes out, we can review it from, from an educator standpoint. But I hope that gave you some inspiration to take back to your colleagues and begin building your own Justice League and together facing the challenges that we as educators face of leading our young people. In closing, I just want to touch on something that Chuck said at the beginning of the interview about how there are so many things that we can learn from these films and these characters. Now, I know that superheroes may not be your thing. However, if you're listening to a podcast called Hero Ed... I would hope that you dig superheroes a little bit. Uh, but that's not about that. It's about being what we are, as all teachers are called to be. You've heard this in your university classrooms when you were studying to be a teacher, is be a lifelong learner. View everything in life, you know, whether it's pop culture, like movies and music and books and things, or just experiences in your life. Uh, view them with the mind of what can I learn from this? And that principle, you can apply that to your personal life, your professional life, your spiritual life, uh, and all of these things. Uh, look at something and say, how can this make me better? Uh, and even looking at bad situations, you know, a lot of times we see those things that happen and like, there is nothing good that I can learn from this. This was just a bad situation. Brett Culp, who I hope to have on a future episode, shared a video that I'll also put in show notes where he discussed finding the light in darkness. And he used the film Suicide Squad, another hero film, although an anti-hero sort of film. Uh, and if you've seen that, you know, it's a pretty dark film. Revolves around villains and not a lot of positive and happiness to be found oftentimes in that film. But he looks at it and finds a way to find the positive in it, something to learn from it. And when you can do something like that, when you can approach things uh, in all areas of your life, from what can I learn from this and how can it make me better, you will not be able to measure the impact you're going to have with an effect size. It's going to be so great, uh, and you're going to impact so many people around you, just as at the end of Batman v Superman, when Superman has laid down his life to... Uh, save the city uh, during the memorial service scene toward the end of the film you see the memorial monument if you will that simply says underneath the superman s shield says that if you seek his monument look around 
And I think that is such a powerful thing that we can have as teachers in our life that if we want to know the impact we've had on our students, just look at our students. Uh, the impact that we have should be reflected upon them. So if you can hone in, work together, and strive toward the same goals, then we're going to change the world through our students and send them out into this jungle uh, that is uh, the larger world around them with everything that, that they need to be successful and to become their own heroes as well and their own leaders in their own right. Well, there it is. Episode one is in the books. Uh, come back next time where uh, we'll have more insight on things, uh, more heroic ideas. Hopefully I'll have more guests and interviews to share with you. Um, and this podcast is just a passion project for me. Uh, I love superheroes. I love teaching. I love my students. And this is just something that I want to share uh, with everyone and find common ground with everyone. I've connected with several educators online through Twitter uh, that have the same common beliefs as me when it comes to these sort of ideas. So uh, hopefully we'll have them on. We'll get to talk about these things. And hopefully it can just be an encouragement to you. That's the biggest thing I want this podcast to be is a simple encouragement for you as teachers on a day-to-day basis. I invite you to connect with me. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at HeroEdPod. That's the podcast uh, there, or personally at A Clark History. And all this can be found in show notes. Uh, you can shoot me an email at HeroEdPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, the blog will be launching soon, the companion blog to the podcast, which will be HeroEdBlog.wordpress.com. That will be coming online soon. We'll let you know when that's available. Subscribe to the podcast, obviously. Share it with your colleagues, your co-workers, your staff. Uh, leave me a review on iTunes. Let me know what you think, things you like, you don't like, you want to hear and see uh, going on with the podcast. It's exciting to have the first episode out there, and I hope you enjoy, and I look forward to hearing your feedback. Thank you for joining me, the first ever episode of the Hero Red Podcast. Many, many more to come, I hope. Until next time, do something heroic today. Yeah.